0: Hello, everyone. I am Chris Hyams, CEO of Indeed, and welcome to the next episode of Here to Help. At Indeed, our mission is to help people get jobs. This is what gets us out of bed in the morning and what keeps us going all day long. And what powers that mission is our people. Here to help is a look at how experience, strength, and hope inspires people to want to help others. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about parenting and caregiving, as yesterday, Sunday, May 9th, was Mother's Day here in the U.S., 108 years ago, the first Mother's Day was proclaimed by President Woodrow Wilson on May 9, 1914. He asked Americans on that day to give a public thank you to their mothers and to all mothers. And while a lot has changed since 1914, Mother's Day is still a day to pause and celebrate working motherhood in all its forms and all its complexity. May is also Mental Health Awareness Month, a national movement to raise awareness about mental health. Our conversation today will explore the importance of mental health awareness and education for everyone, but in particular for parents and caregivers. My guest today is Romney Donald, Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging Generalist here at Indeed. Romney, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Chris.
0: Let's start where we always start by asking, how are you doing today right now?
1: I would say right now, I'm doing all right. I am, of course, nervous. <laughs> um, and imposter syndrome did try to sneak up on me a little bit. But uh, other than that, I'm doing really well.
0: Well, I'm so glad you were able to join me today. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Um Let's start by just asking, how how was your Mother's Day? Did you have any chance to sit and reflect?
1: My Mother's Day was pretty good. It was quiet. Um, It did allow me time to sit down, reflect. Um, I found myself kind of going through old pictures of when my daughter was a baby and just uh, thinking about how much she has changed and grown since then, and also how much I've changed and grown since then. So, yeah, very reflective. Well,
0: let's talk a little bit about your mother and your experience growing up.
1: Yeah, so my mom was a middle child, just like me. Uh, sorry, she is a middle child, just like I am. And she actually um, worked for the city of Stanford, where which is where I'm from. And she worked for the city of Stanford for a while, but there, the hours there were very long. Um, and she recognized that um, working those hours was not beneficial to um, how she parent was able to parent us as kids. And she, like most mothers, <laughs> made a sacrifice of changing jobs. And she entered the school system, which allowed her to be more present in our lives, um, and be accessible as a parent. And, uh, like, I, like I mentioned, the sacrifice of being selfless and caring and supportive, um, was exactly what she did and, and who she is. She's a very caring person. And, um, and with that change, uh, it wasn't about the change of money. It was more about her being available to us as kids. And, um, As the middle child, uh, she was able to also see how her brother and sister also adapted to life. Um, Her parents were actually, uh, well, my grandparents, my grandfather, he's actually a veteran. Um, He was in the Army, and his parents were actually sharecroppers. And so um, they were able to buy their land, uh, build a farm, you know, have a farm and take care of animals. And that's actually what my grandfather did in the Army. He took care of, of horses um and so we have a very long line of hard workers people who made sacrifices to support others and um that kind of ties into also um even my own experiences growing up also as the middle child um I have two sisters. Uh, my, one of my sisters is actually a lawyer, and who I have tried to get a job here at Indeed, and I won't stop uh, <laughs> if she's interested. And then my younger sister is actually a, an activist um, in the community in Stanford. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned that your mother went into the education field. I know education was a big focus in your family. Can you talk a little bit about that and your own personal journey in education?
1: Yeah, education was uh, a non-negotiable in my family. It was either, you know, further education or uh, the military. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, there was kind of that ultimatum of continuing education also because of the history of Black people in this country. We weren't really allotted a lot of um, access so, having access to education is a privilege. And my mom wanted to make sure that we took advantage of that. And um, with my journey through education, uh, you know, after high school, I, I would say I, I was actually unprepared for college. Let's just say that. Um, I, I went to an HBCU for my first two years of school. Um, but when I had gone home during my sophomore year of college, that's where my view and lens of life kind of changed a little bit. Um, my dad, he actually was very sick and passed away during my um, time home during my Christmas vacation. And having to manage grief, but also, you know, continue my education, was very challenging and actually was my introduction to therapy because when I came back to school, I realized it was, it was difficult to put what I was grieving and grieving my, the loss of my father aside um, and focus on school at the same time. So um, I was able to go to school, but I just wasn't happy there anymore. So I um, transferred out. And I moved to Boston where my sister lived and uh, applied to schools. Um, I actually, (laughs) uh, I love cities apparently, so I was in Boston and then I applied to a school out in Chicago (laughs) and I went to Chicago to school. Um, But unfortunately, like many people, if you're doing student loans or paying out of pocket, um, I couldn't afford school uh, much longer and I um, had to withdraw and that's when life really kicked it up a notch for me. Um, I was working full time just to try to uh, pay student loans, but also afford going to school and wanting to go, go to school and complete my education. Um, and yeah, so as life just kind of kept going and I took a break from school, um, I actually wound up having my daughter.
0: So you had uh, your, your daughter early on in your career journey. Can you talk about how that impacted your choices in, in both your career and, and your life?
1: Yeah. So I had uh, Nia when I was 24 years old, and she's currently 11. Um, but uh, what ended up happening during that time is that I was taking on the role of being a parent And then my mom actually got sick within like the first year of my daughter's life. And as I was someone who was actually living back in Connecticut, uh, because I came back and I was helping her um, and she got very sick and was hospitalized. Um, So at that point, I just assumed the role as her caregiver and was navigating, taking care of my under one year old daughter and also taking care of my mom, who was on a road to recovery. Um, but the way that impacted my choices in life was that I was putting myself last, basically. Um, I wasn't thinking about me. I was thinking about everyone else around me. And, um, you know, through therapy, I was able to recognize um childhood trauma responses and, you know, feeling responsible for bringing a life into the world, not being able to manage the stressors of my own life um, and trying to also find my own identity um, all in one. So uh, it just impacted everything, whether I was looking for a job or not working, because honestly, I wasn't working for the first couple of years, because where do you find the time to work? take care of a child and help out with um, caregiving a parent who needs assistance. So,
0: yeah. How were you able to find some balance between the the caregiving and, and caring for yourself and all of the things that um, were on your plate at this time?
1: Honestly, there, there was no balance. Um, it was more of autopilot. I was honestly just Uh, navigating through life the best way I could. And it wasn't until my mom had started to have independence and, you know, really able to take care of herself and do the things that she didn't need um, us us to help her with going forward, uh, whether that was driving somewhere or, you know, attending appointments. Um, As some of my independence came back, I started to recognize that, I wasn't taking care of myself mentally as best as I should have um, or could have, I guess. Um, And so that's when I decided to find a therapist because I was now accepting my role of responsibility and the mental work that needed to be done in order to better equip myself. And um, also learning about boundaries. (laughs) Um, I feel like balancing is also about boundaries and, respect, having respect for yourself. So I balanced that by saying, you know, this is what I know I can do. This is what I can't do. Um, and I really had to learn not to do everything by myself.
0: So you joined Indeed in, in 2018, but that was not the first time that you'd actually applied to a job at Indeed. Can you talk about your experience and, uh, how you ended up getting here?
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's, I like that, the wording there, because um, when I, I actually went back in my emails and looked at when I was applying to Indeed, and I think it was around 2017, and um, I was unfortunately dispositioned because uh, I didn't have a degree at the time. I was working in retail management, and I um, lost two jobs. I was working in at one company for about four years. And because the store wasn't doing um, well due, some, due to some mall renovations, the company decided to close that particular location. And so I said, okay, I'll just find another job. It's retail. Um, so I was able to find another like store manager job at another company. And same thing happened. They just, they couldn't withstand what was going on in the mall. So they shut down that company as well, like six months after I started there. So I honestly took that um, as a sign. I I am a woman of faith. So I did take it as a sign that, you know, this is not where I needed to be. And this is not my purposeful work that I should be doing. And um, I decided to go back to school because I was at that point, it was almost about a 10 year gap almost since I had gone to school. And um, I said, okay, well, since I can't work and I don't want to keep you know, going on with this cycle of back to retail management, let me try to finish my degree. And so I, I went back to school And in 2018, I was the following year, um, Indeed had dropped the requirement for no degree and I was able to reapply. I was referred actually. And that referral helped me to get the job that I had, um, in 2018. And when I got to Indeed, it was, um, it was somewhere that I knew I needed to be because, um, I used to see all of the uh community engagement that Indeed was doing in the Stanford office in particular. Um I saw what the Black Inclusion Group was doing and for me it was just it felt very home like. It felt like a place that I could um could basically flourish. And um even when I came back when, when I got hired at Indeed, um I was at, I was in school. Um I was actually in my second year, I was in an accelerated program. So I only had two years left. And so I was actually in my last year of school, basically. And um, everyone that I encountered during that time was very accommodating to me. Uh, I was very upfront about me being in school. I um, had a class on Wednesday nights. And if anyone is from the Fairfield County area, and knows anything about rush hour traffic, getting to Bridgeport, Connecticut for uh, <laughs> from Stanford at five o'clock is uh, madness. And therefore um, uh, my manager at the time was very accommodating and everyone was understanding and let me like leave a few minutes early just so I could try to get to class and get through that traffic and not actually be late to school. So um, my experience... And indeed started off on a on a very positive note.
0: So you you ended up completing that degree. You are you are now back in school again and are studying for a master's in clinical mental health and counseling. Can you talk about why it was so important for you um, to go back and, and get that degree and and now get another degree?
1: Yeah, I mean, for me it was an accomplishment um, and something to show for the student loan debt that I've put myself in. Um, I wanted to have something to show for that. I wanted to prove to, and when I say show for it, I mean, to myself, not to others. Um, this was a journey that I started, so I wanted to finish it. It was very important for me to have an accomplishment under my, under my belt, um, especially after going through, a lot of changes in, uh, in my life. Um, This was something that I felt very passionate about Um, completing school. It was not something that I thought I would be able to do. And I, and I did it. So um, uh, that's important to me because I proved to myself that I can complete things that I start. And um, and yes, I, I've had, <laughs> now I've gone back to school, uh, for a master's program and, um, that's because mental health is very important to me.
0: Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about that? So it's mental health awareness month right now, and we're, we're shining uh, a light on, on these issues in, in, in life and certainly in, in work. What is it that, that drew you to the field of mental health?
1: Um, so going back to even my first experience uh, in mental health, dealing with grief um juggling parenthood and caregiving um I thought it was the the emotions that I was feeling um were also because I was very aware of of my emotions i'm a very i would say i'm a very sensitive person, and um being aware of my mental health uh was important to me. And therefore, I also recognize that I wanted to combat uh, the stigma within my community, the Black community. Um, Mental health has been looked upon as being a weakness sometimes or shameful. And especially when you layer in the possibility of needing medication as treatment, Um, statistically, uh, Black people receive treatment at lower rates than than white people uh when it comes to mental health and it's important to note that black people develop mental health condition conditions just like anyone else and um uh unfortunately with like our increased direct experiences with trauma whether that is um like police brutality uh being harassed by you know just anyone on the street for uh Mining our business, (laughs) microaggressions like at work, um, generational trauma, um, even just like mistreatment in hospitals, we see that statistically with within the Black community. And uh, for me, it was it was like a no brainer. I knew that uh, with my own experience with mental health and mental health and seeing a therapist, how that had impacted me greatly. Um, And then recognizing that the representation was lacking uh, significantly. Um, African-Americans only account for 5.3% of the psychology workforce. And um, when there's certain things like implicit bias and racial disparities within the healthcare system, um, we know that there's a lack of sensitivity and awareness, and that leads to misdiagnosis and treatments and that's why representation is is very important um i knew that um that i was des- deserving of mental health and i knew that what i experienced was also a tremendous privilege and um even now I, my therapist today i've been seeing her for 6 years she's a black woman and i i searched for her intentionally i searched for someone who looked like me intentionally someone who um, knew the experiences of being a black woman in America. And, um, and I know how that had helped me and I wanted to be that helpful to someone else, whether it's at work being a resource, whether it's in my own personal life to my child, to my mom, to my sisters, um, uh, being a resource to others is is very helpful. It's very important to me. So, um, That's why I chose mental health to kind of dive into deeper.
0: If you like this interview and want to hear more, hit subscribe. Catch up on any Here to Help episodes you might have missed, like my conversation with Victoria Liu, and get new ones delivered directly to you. More with Romney Donald after this break. So looking at, at where you are today compared to before when you had all of this um, responsibility on your plate and felt like there was no balance, it sounds like you still have a lot of responsibility uh, on your plate outside of, of just your, your job um, as, as a mother and being in school full time. And um, so what are some of the things that, that we as uh, an employer and all employers can do to make Work better for for caregivers and for parents and and especially for working mothers.
1: Um, first, I would like to say that <laughs> I think Indeed does an incredible job at um, creating spaces. Um, and when I say Indeed, I, I do mean us employees. You know, we are we have created such a great environment for others to um, to really speak up and speak out and not be afraid to do so. And um, so I do want to at least thank everyone from SLT um, and even Chris for creating that environment that fosters um, inclusivity and diversity. Um, and I would say, honestly, in order to make work better, I, I, as I am a caregiver, a parent, and a Black woman, uh, I am also Romney. I'm, I'm also myself outside of those identities i i am a person and um i would want for indeed to just continue to listen to employees and continue to hear um whether it's criticism whether it's feedback um, i just want to want that to continue and um i feel like working as long as we lead more with empathy um i think that that's going to make our our workspace uh healthy um, one of the things that i sometimes reflect on is how we have a great pto policy right but um sometimes that that pto policy will be depending upon your manager or their director and um honestly it, sometimes it can become A passive aggressive relationship where we have the policy. And if we want people to be open and uh, feel supported, uh, we shouldn't be getting things like a summary of how many days we've already taken off in comparison to others on our team or, you know, um, or the company as a whole. And so I would also like to see a little bit more of that, like Leading with empathy and understanding that not everyone is going to be as forthcoming and honest about what's going on in their personal life, but if they're needing and asking for the PTO, it's because of a necessity, and um, not that you know, not being, not using that against them um, is is something that I would like to see more more of. Um, I think it's a great area of opportunity for the company um, to look into that a little bit more. Uh, I've been very fortunate. That I've had supportive managers, but also being a little bit more um, pr- as a pr- more more of a of a uh, employee who is known for speaking out, um, I hear a lot more stories on the back end, and I think it's very important that um, that that's taken into consideration um, because being a parent and caregiver already comes with a lot of responsibilities. Um, and that's how people see me as an ident as my identity, but that's also because I've shared that um There are a lot of people who might be suffering in silence and you don't know that and they might need that day and um so i just I want us to keep that that in mind as far as making work better um not just for caregivers, parents, mothers but everyone
0: you've you've talked in a couple of different um answers already about some of the additional challenges facing uh marginalized communities in in particular black women and can you talk about why it might be um more challenging to to show the full range of emotion or to be vulnerable at work
1: i don't want to speak for everyone (laughs) because uh it is my belief that you know we are not uh, a monolith And um, however, there are definitely themes that black women, men and um, those in marginalized communities may relate to or notice. And um, for me, I I would say it's harder because society expects us to be, um, to show up and combat racism General and generational trauma. Um, we're expected to be stronger and mature, and that's even from an early age. Um, the, you know, I always think about adultification bias, particularly among Black girls, and how we're expected to carry the weight um, even at early ages, um, and even you know in our adulthood when we're at work. You know, we want to come to work sometimes, and we just want to work. Uh, we want to do work without microaggressions, uh, code switching. Um, and when we think of that, you know, as far as showing full r- range of motions, um, it can be tiring. You know, I'm, I, I want to come here to work. And if I am met with a microaggression or I have to code switch, or I know I'm getting paid less than my, you know, like white counterpart, um, it can be difficult for me to, why would I want to be vulnerable in a situ in a, in a workspace like that? Um being vulnerable is a risk because I don't know how that will be perceived by others. I don't know if that's gonna show up in my performance review later. Um, I don't know if that's gonna be used against me as I am underperforming because I've, you know, I I'm having a rough day today and I need the day off. Um, so for me it's it's like honestly, we're damned if we do, we're damned if we don't. But um, that's just for, for me that's how <laughs> that's that's why it's harder um, because again we're we're thinking about everyone around us sometimes except for ourselves, and when we come to work sometimes we just want to work
0: <laughs> so one of the things that you've sort of got at a couple of times is that um, can't do everything ourselves um, it takes it takes community and support and and we need help um, how How was it for you learning to ask for help when you need it?
1: Oh, man. Um, Learning to ask for help was really difficult for me. Um, I was used to doing everything on my own. Um, I saw asking for help as a weakness. Like I couldn't control uh, what was going on around me, Um, whether that's being a parent. Or trying to complete school, um, I had this realization that by, you know, I didn't want to see, I didn't want my daughter to see struggle as something normal. And um, that's when I realized I needed to lean on other people and um, challenge myself to accept help um people would offer (laughs) and you know just being trying to be strong uh I would decline help I wanted to do it myself because again I mean I'm also a mom and I feel like no one can do it like me (laughs) no one can do can you know handle my daughter the way that I can no one's going to talk to her the you know in a tone that I'm going to talk to her and care for her the way that I I can so um I really had to challenge myself that I didn't have to be strong all the time. And, um, I recognized that I was, that it was also a, a response to, you know, things that happened in childhood where I was afraid of people letting me down. And that was my response to it is, you know, I'll do it myself because I don't want to run the risk of relying on someone else and they can't deliver. Um, and so I also learned that I was deserving of prioritizing myself. Um, I deserve to uh put, put myself first because if I didn't, how was I really going to take care of the people around me? Um and so again, I know therapy is gonna be that you know that buzzword today, but that's how I I learned how to also ask for help is just recognizing that I, that it doesn't mean anything that I, that I need help. It just means that I need some support. And, um, and I know that that I would be more than happy to support others. Right. So knowing that I can help people, why shouldn't I expect that people want to help me as well? So, um, so yeah, I just I just learned to to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and th- and that last part um really feels key. It's the the mutual support is 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 what community is all about. And so can you talk about how you've built a community here at Indeed and and in particular what is the the role um that the Black Inclusion Group has played in in your community?
1: I at Indeed Um, I found that being my absolute authentic self (laughs) was, um, was non-negotiable. I wanted to, uh, be Romney hundred percent as much as possible. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't even say that I built the community at Indeed. The community at Indeed pretty much embraced me. And, um, I've always felt very uplifted and supported, um, I you know do my best to open up and talk about the things that I'm dealing with, uh, and and with honesty you know even if I'm at a space where I don't want to open up but I'll you know I'll tell people this I'm hand I'm going through this I can't get into it right now but you know I, this is what I need and um, because of that at Indeed I was I was like I said I was in I was very much embraced and. Um I was able to join the black inclusion group very early on probably probably within the first 24 hours of being at indeed um <laughs> I joined the black inclusion group as soon as possible and um there's just something to say about having a community and a space and um you know I've always expressed that without the black inclusion group I'm not sure if I'd still be at indeed um and that's very important to me because um big's role it was very imp- impactful um it provided a safe it provides today a safe space at work for um black employees and our allies and not to mention i mean being black in tech is inspiring on its own so um the black inclusion group has also allowed me to be in spaces where I can be an ally to others. Um, I've had the opportunity to be a part of other IRGs, such as parents and caregivers, um, lit, Women at Indeed. And that has also um, created great relationships with other people that, even though if we don't share the same beliefs or we don't have quite the same intersectionalities, um, at the end of the day, we also, we all want an environment where we can thrive and be in, be in healthy spaces. So that's hopefully <laughs> answering the question.
0: <laughs> oh, that's that's fantastic. Um, you know, one of the things that for, for folks at Indeed, they hear me say quite a bit that uh, I want everyone's next job to be at Indeed, and you have uh, found your next job at Indeed, you joined in client Services and recently switched to the Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging team. Can you talk about what motivated that switch?
1: Well, Chris, mainly it was protecting my peace. No, <laughs> um, but I uh, I switched from uh, CS to DIB because um, just like my own personal work and the work uh, with within therapy, um, I realized experiences are important. Um, ex- employee experiences in particular are important because it creates a healthy inclusive space and I wanted to uh, continue advocating for others um because I'm personally not afraid but that's not the same for 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 all and I wanted to make sure that all voices were being heard um and being part of um the environmental social governance team, we have, there's great goals like, you know, um, increasing Indeed's uh, workforce representation of underrepresented, uh, underrepresented my, uh, ethnic minorities in the United States by uh, 2030 to 30%. So um, goals like that were very important to me as far as also, um, as well as um, reducing attrition Um, That's important too, uh, because while it's, while it's nice to increase um, minority representation, what's also, if not more important is uh, retaining those who are already here and um, being in a visible space. um, I did have opportunities of hearing stories that were not as great as mine. And, um, and I want to make sure that while we're the we're the employees now, what we're doing is also monumental and it's also important work. So um, switching from client services to DIMB was kind of a no brainer to me because uh, within the Black Inclusion Group, I was kind of already doing <laughs> doing those things, um, and now I'm actually doing those things with this title. So um, so yeah, all all in all, very important. <laughs>
0: So what does uh what does it mean to you uh to be strong at work?
1: Um so honestly I've a good friend of mine she she likes to use the term uh not subscribing to to things. And um to me I don't like to subscribe to being strong at work. I've I've unsubscribed to it. Um and I it's like, it's an attribute I don't want to be associated with. I want to be soft at work. Um, I want to, I want to let people in, um, but also to the best of my ability and to the, to the bandwidth that I'm allotted, you know, I'm not, it, I'm not like an open diary or anything, but um, I am very chatty. <laughs> so you might be surprised how much stuff you can get out of me, but um I, you know, we spend a lot of time at, at home right now, we're spending a lot of time at work and those two have basically, um, mingled together and I had to learn how to communicate my needs and, um, being less apologetic. Um, I have a really, (laughs) I, I saying, sorry, I say it too much and, um, and that's part of, you know, being sh- my strong side wants to acknowledge if I did something that um, I felt was incorrect. And I've learned to just trust myself more and um, speaking my truth when when I feel like I can. And, um, you know, at work, I've you know, I've definitely cried over difficulties and, uh, whether it was family stuff happening at, you know, I couldn't disassociate the two. It's like, I'm, I'm home, I'm dealing with work. We're going through the pandemic. And, um, I've had those hard, hard instances where I've, you know, I had to tell a manager, I, I don't think I could do this today. So, or I've, I've cried on zoom. Like, (laughs) you know, there's, those are part of that's part of me being vulnerable at work and instead of being strong. Um, so yeah.
0: That's really beautiful. Um, well, as we, as we come to a close here, I guess as a, as a final question, um, I would, I would love to hear about your, your daughter, uh, Nia Sarai. What, what do you, uh, hope, um, the world will be like when she begins her work journey and what, what legacy do you hope to leave for her?
1: Uh, I really tried to think about that for a while because I was like, I was unsure what kind of world I'd want her to live in. And it's to me, I kind of go back to what kind of world does she want to live in? And, um, I think about her perspective and, uh, not, not imposing my beliefs on her and what, you know, my, I don't want to put expectations on her. Um, so, you know, I just hope that when she does enter, encounter the, um, the work field, um, that she's encountering a world where people are leading with empathy and kindness, um, and that she's, able to be her genuine self. Um, And as far as like a legacy goes, I honestly just want her to have courage uh, and confidence and authenticity and um, just, you know, be able to have the freedom to be unapologetic and not fit into other people's uh, expectations or, or boxes of, of her and what, you know, she wants to do. So um, as a, as a parent, I want to do my best to protect her as much as possible. Uh, and you know, the, the idea that I always, well, the, the concept I always think of is, you know, with kids, it's like your heart living outside of your body and you can't really, you know, you could protect it for so long <laughs> or only so long. Um, but I just, I just want her to feel supported in, in whatever she chooses to do. Um, and yeah, and all that, all that black girl magic. I just want her to be able to embody it and encompass it, encompass it however she wants.
0: Well, Romney, uh, thank you so much for, for joining me today and, and for sharing your, um, your really, I think, you know, unique perspective on, uh, on the world. I'm, I, I'm going to have, uh, the idea of being soft at work, uh, stuck in my head now. And, um, I'm really going to think about that. Thank you so much. And thank you for everything that you do for Indeed. And thank you for everything you do to help people get jobs.
1: Thank you so much, Chris. Appreciate you.
0: Thanks for listening to Here to Help. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and download the podcast to stay up to date with the latest episodes. Until next time.